Okay, well, happy summer, everyone. It feels like it, doesn't it? All right. It can just, if it can just stay at these temperatures. What do you think? Is there, has everybody got a vote on that? Do, do we want to vote for that? We want to stay right here, kind of low 60s, high 50s. It woke me up. It was so cold last night. I left the window open. That's just, isn't that right? It's just great. And then maybe, you know, top the 90, but we definitely want to go any further than that. Everybody good with that? Okay, well, we'll, we'll speak to our divine weatherman and uh, see whether he can arrange that for us. Thank you, chaps. That's very kind of you. Hope you don't mind me calling you a chap there, Jennifer. So, um, what we're going to do today and into the summer season is to do a slightly different model of sermon. There is no sermon, Sunday sermon, as a model in the New Testament. It's kind of interesting that, isn't it? It's, it's kind of like we've invented it since the New Testament as a way of sharing and declaring the good news often to people who already know it and then to others who are being introduced to it. And of course, because there's no set format or set structure, it's been expressed and done in lots of different ways down through the centuries. And um, the kind of set piece sermon, the public communication thing, is something that's, that's been done in churches like ours for many generations. But every so often it's a good idea to switch things up a little bit, particularly when we're in a new season. Summer is a great opportunity for us to begin to consider the Lord from maybe a fresh perspective. One of the things that Jesus says, and we only read it just a couple of weeks ago, is that the way that you're fruitful in life is that you learn that fruit comes from abiding, resting, connecting, engaging with God. And so if we want to be fruitful in our families, if we want to be fruitful in our workplace, if we want to be fruitful in the things that, that God has called us to do, the purposes of life that cover everything from marriage through to what it is that we're going to do perhaps as we retire from our place of work, if we want to be fruitful in any of these things, we have to learn that being fruitful comes out of a different place than what we expect. Here's a, here's a, a spiritual truth that will that'll hold you on a helpful course right the way through your life. Spiritual growth comes by indirect effort. Spiritual growth comes from indirect effort. How do I know that? Well, I know it because that's what Jesus says. If you're focusing on bearing fruit, you know, the picture is of the vine that Jesus has, you know, and there you are, you're a, you're a branch and the veins are standing out on your neck and you're going, you're not gonna bear fruit. But if as a branch, you're deeply connected and abiding centered and focused on the vine, then fruit is the natural consequence of abiding. Jesus put it another way, he said, he said, you can run after things like the things you wear, the things that you're gonna eat, the, the normal substance of life, but actually, it's God who provides those things. And so seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be added to you. So instead of focusing on the things that we need for life, we focus on the one who provides us with the things that we need for life, and guess what? You get the things that you need. So what we're gonna do this summer is we're going to just learn how it is that we can engage with God in a slightly different way during the sermon bit. And, um, and we're gonna do it in a slightly more interactive fashion. It's, it's something that's similar to the Discovery Bible study that, that you and I have been learning quite a lot about over this last year. It's about, it's about us together recognizing that there's nobody in the room that's smarter than everyone in the room. Yeah, think about that for a minute. Yeah? It's, it's really important that we understand this because this is the way that God created us and so the wisdom is in the crowd, not in the individual. And this is, this is a practical reality as well as it is it is, is a spiritual reality. I mean, spiritual things are practical, but you know what I mean. It's not necessarily an esoteric truth. It's a, it's a practical truth that, that functions in, in lots of different circumstances. There's a, there's a good book called The Wisdom of the Crowd, and it gives lots of different examples of how it doesn't matter how smart you are, how intelligent you are, how much of a genius you happen to be in relation to one particular subject. If you get together a crowd of people, they're always more smart than the individual. So they, um, they lost um, a submarine at the end of the Second World War. The Navy uh, wanted to give uh, due respect, right, and honor to those who had lost their lives. And it was a big thing. And, it, and of course, it's a very important thing that, that, we, that we do these, these kinds of uh, ceremonial acts that allow the family to grieve and to say goodbye. And they couldn't find the submarine that had gone down. They used every technology available, sonar, radar, everything they could. They, they used all the best intelligence, the best naval minds. They looked at all of the different patterns of, of um, currents under the sea uh, surface. They looked at the, they looked at the topography of the, of, the ocean, of the ocean floor. They couldn't find it. So then somebody had a, had a, a smart idea. They said, well, we know the general area and we know that all of the towns along that portion of the eastern seaboard up towards the northeast, you know, Maine and around there, there's lots and lots of fishermen. And there's lots of people who are on the water all the time. So why don't we just go and ask them? So they asked everybody that they could find, everybody that they could think of, and then they made an average of where it was those people guessed and it was within three feet of where the submarine went down. And that example is one of many, many, many hundreds. So, one of the things that you see in scripture is when the people come together, there's not a model of a sermon, there's a model of a collective gathering where people together come with the expectation that they're gonna hear from God, but it might be somebody that you're not expecting is gonna share it. Now, it's a difficult thing to do in a size, a group this size, because you know, there's people up there on the shelf and there's people down here and you know, I mean, how do you do it all? So, I'm gonna have a go at it. 
I'm probably not this week going to walk up the stairs to see you, but we'll see how we get on. We're going to read the passage this week, which is John 17, an incredibly important passage. It's called the High Priestly Prayer by the biblical scholars. And the reason for that is that Jesus is basically concluding his ministry here on earth. He's going to be arrested any minute in the Garden of Gethsemane. And probably just as he arrives at the Garden of Gethsemane with all of his disciples, he prays this prayer in their hearing and they remember and record it. And then in the, in the, in the, the troubled state of his spirit as he considers going to the cross, he steps away from the larger group of disciples with Peter, James, and John and asks them to pray with him and for him as he contemplates the agony of the cross where he'll pay the price for us to know God. So this is an incredibly important moment and the, the, the high priestly prayer is a prayer of intercession. That word intercession means one who stands between. One who stands between. The, the, the intercessor is standing between two realities and in their standing between, they're, they're connecting both. From the very beginning, Jesus was standing between. We see at the beginning when Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan, the heavens are opened and the Holy Spirit descends upon him and remains on him. And so, and so Jesus is now the interface between heaven and earth. And the first, if you like, record of that is in Mark's gospel where where Jesus has just come from his baptism and he's gone into the wilderness and he's struggled with the fundamental temptations of all humanity, the temptations of appetite and ambition and approval, and he's overcome those temptations in the face of our enemy and his. And as he completes that test over 40 days of fasting, Mark has this little, this little comment. Jesus was in the company of the animals and in the care of the angels. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was in the company of the animals and in the care of the angels. Jesus didn't simply stoop to be one with us, humanity. He came to be the interface between the physical creation and the spiritual creation. He was the door, the portal between the physical world, in this case represented by the animals who accompanied him. I mean, what would that look like? What would it look like for the scorpions and the snakes and the desert jackals I mean, what were they, I don't know. I don't, what was it like for Jesus to be in the company of them and in the care of the angels? So right at the very beginning, Jesus is the interface and at the end, he's the interface. And of course, that means that as he spreads wide his arms on the cross, he's able to connect the two realities and bring them together in himself. Let's read from John 17, 
I'm going to read the first five verses, and then I'm going to come and talk to you about what's in it, and you're going to talk to me about it. Is that all right? Are we good? All right, John 17. John 17, verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Let's just leave those words up. If we can go back to the beginning again and just scroll through them kind of just fairly slowly. Let's just consider these words again. What is it that strikes you? What is it that strikes you? What is it that seems to be highlighted to you? I'll come out in a minute. People are already starting to talk to me. It's confusing me, wait. What, what, is, it, what is it that's in there? What, is, what are you seeing in there? Yeah? Okay, we had somebody over here who, who just, right there, yeah, right there. Okay. Tell me. Was it you? No. No? no. I, I know, I know what was it. Was it's oh, it was you, was it? You're making so much. Oh, come on. Nice dress, though. Like the dress. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, I counted five glories in there. Five glories? Yeah, lots of glory. See, what you need to be able to do is to be able to count. That helps you when you're reading the Bible. Glory. Glory. Anybody else spot that? You saw that right at the back there? Well done. Anybody else? Over there? We've got people scattered throughout the crowd today seeing glory. And we got it five times, which is interesting, isn't it? That's a lot. So anything else in the passage that we saw? What else did we see? It's glory five times. What else? Ah, I can hear you, but I don't know what you're saying, so I'm going to come over there. Glory times five. I think you're in this direction somewhere, weren't you? Right there. See, you're, you're all going to be scared now, aren't you? Because you think, he's going to come over there with that microphone. Yeah, go for it. That eternal life is given through Christ. Eternal life is given through Christ. Anybody else spot that? Yeah? Got that over there? So eternal life is given through Christ. That's, it's an interesting one, this, isn't it? Because eternal means without time. Yeah? Because eternal is time and E means non and so it's outside of time. What, what was it that you saw especially in there? Triple atoning. 
hot wings. <laughs> Go for it, bro. To me, it seems a finishing statement. The work is finished. Yeah. Earth and heaven are reunited. Mm. That's awesome. Earth and heaven are reunited. And maybe the characteristic of heaven is that it's not defined or conditioned by time as we know it. And so now earth is being conditioned not by our temporal experience, but by the experience of heaven. Yeah? Is that what you meant? Yeah, I thought you did. So what else? What else is in there? Anything else? Yeah. Now it's Rebecca, isn't it? Yeah. You're fairly new to us, aren't you, Rebecca? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I, just, I just thought it was interesting he started talking about himself in the third person and then switched to the first person as though there's more than one thing going on there. Okay, so what do you, what do you think that is then? I just, well, it's, he's talking, I think it's the spirit talking about Jesus and then Jesus recognizing at the same time because they're like together. Okay. Well, to me, I think like, I feel like the spirit and Jesus were together and then when he says he leaves, the spirit's coming back. It's like, Wow, that's fascinating, isn't it? So, so what we've got then, according to Rebecca here, which is, I'm sure, accurate. So we've got eternal life given. And clearly the, the experience is a gift And there is language that leads us to see deep connection. Jesus, Spirit, and Father. Is that about right? Is that about it? Yeah? See, this is really kind of deep theology right now. Yeah, this is proper theology going on right now. This is really fascinating. Okay, one more thing. We're going to come over there. We've got you caught right in the middle of the Red Sea there because... We've got that little gap through there, so you've got to walk over and tell us who you are, first of all, and then tell us what you got. Um, Sydney, I'm a visitor. It's my first week. Whoa! <laughs> Round of applause for Sydney. Come on now. I actually caught your sermon last week and really liked it, so I thought I'd come first. Well, why not? And you've got a completely different one this week, yeah, haven't you? it's interesting. <laughs> um, believers are a gift from the Father to the Son. Wow. So believers are a gift from God the Father to the Son. Everybody else see that? I love it. So believers are a gift from the Father to Jesus the sun. All right, this is awesome. This is great. 
So we've got glory all over the place. Glory being reflected here, there, and everywhere. Glory being, being revealed and then re-revealed. We have eternal life that is given to us through Jesus. And believers, you and me, being given to Jesus by God the Father. Yeah? I love that. Okay, I'm going to add my little bit. My word was no. Because in there, it said that eternal life was to know him. Do you see that? It's right in there, isn't it? Eternal life was to know him. And here's the thing. That word is usually used for sexual union in the Old and New Testament. In other words, it is a level of vulnerability, a level of connection, a level of a level of intimacy that is way beyond anything offered in religion. Yeah? Here's, here's an amazing thing. That we get eternal life and we know God in a way that is so beyond anything that even we would recognize around here. We know God in a way that causes us to be deeply, deeply connected to him. Spirit to spirit. Want to do a bit more? Want to keep going? Okay, let's do it. I don't know what time it is. Oh, we've got loads of time. Let's keep doing it. All right, let's, um, let's read from verse 6. And um, I think I might have to... Is anybody available just to erase the board for me whilst I'm reading this? Yeah, come on, Just... Um, is somebody going to take a photo? Someone got... Yeah, come on. Yeah, Jeff, you come and take the photo. Take... Take your shoes and socks off. Oh, no, you have taken your shoes and socks off. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you could remember that when you come to Apex next time, that that's what we do here. Yeah, obviously. It's a religious kind of thing. Thank you, Jeremy. Okay, so let's, um, let's do this then. Verse 6. I have revealed you to those whom you have given me out of the word. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. For, coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. 
None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. That was a long passage, but it's pretty much Jesus saying similar things in a repeated fashion. It's almost like he's turning these things over in his mind. And what he's done is he's moved to the second part of the prayer because the prayer is in three parts. There's a prayer that's basically about him and the Father. And then there's a prayer about him, the Father, and his immediate group of disciples. And then the last part is him, the immediate group of disciples, and the rest of the world. We call it up and out. So let's just have those uh, verses up again. If we can just scroll through them uh, kind of fairly slowly there. Probably not at the pace I read because I'm really slow, but you know what I mean. If we just go through that, let's do the same thing again. Let's just, let's just see what is it that strikes us? What is it that's being illuminated to us? So, what do you see? See anything? You got something? Come on. Oh. <laughs> Watch out for those rugs, you know. Jazzy, isn't it? Yeah. Come on. Um, I said I protected them as, uh, I protected them and kept them safe. Okay, so in the passage, Jazzy, who's a member of the Discovery Bible Group with Bird at Boston Stoker, 6.30 on a Thursday evening, we're out there on the porch. It's awesome, isn't it? We have so much fun. So Jazzy saw that 
Jesus is protecting the disciples. Is that, is that what you saw? Protection. Okay, anybody else see protection? You saw protection? Yeah. Thank you for saying sir. That's helpful. Anyone else? You, you saw protection as well? Okay, well, let's put that up there. I like that. So protection is a good word. Try not to trip over the rug this time. The, the thing is, you see, apparently the doctors tell me that this foot of mine, that's, they, they had to do all that surgery on it a little while back, they, um, they cut the heel off and then they stuck it back on again. And um, it means that I don't have a thing called proprioception at the moment. But apparently you're able to work out where your foot's supposed to go without looking. I can't do that. Um, okay, what else we can see? Right, oh, hang on. We're gonna, we've got two in the row here. Kelly? So I see that Jesus is praying for us to have the full measure of his joy within us. Ah, full measure of whose joy? Whose joy? Yeah, do you think Jesus is joyful? Do you think he's got more joy than us? I think so. What do you see? A lot, a lot of giving, like uh, God gave Jesus the, you know, the disciples, and then um, I gave them the words you gave me, and there's just a lot of giving. Okay, so, so the idea then is there's a kind of giving cycle that's going on here, that, that the Father's giving to Jesus, and Jesus is giving what he's got, to them, so there's a lot of gift and giving, yeah? That's great. Of course, what that means is that we've got a thing called grace being expressed, haven't we? Grace is gift. We are not of the world even as he is not of it. Okay, okay. So let's just do this together then. Okay, so we've got, we've got his joy We've got giving, let's do it like this, let's, uh, giving as a pattern and we are not of this world. So. In the last section, we saw that we're given eternal life, which is a characteristic of heaven. Yeah? Now, how long does eternal life last? Well done, spot. So, that means that, means that we've now entered into a different kind of experience, a different kind of existence, a different kind of world, and that means that the new life that we have means that we're not part of this world. Yeah? We're protected in it. And one of the characteristics of protection is joy. Is that fair? Everybody good with this? All right. What else we got over there? Oh, come on. You mean you're not going to run down to the front and tell me? <laughs> I, can oh, I bet you can. <laughs> so, 
in verse 5, Jesus is praying for God to glorify him, Jesus, with the Father. And then in verse 10, he says, and all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. So he's saying with God, he is glorified by us. Yes. All right. So we're going back to glory again. And this is what, this is what Anna's seeing. She's seeing that there is glory that's given to Jesus and the glory is revealed in the followers of Jesus. Yeah? So the followers of Jesus are the ones in whom the glory of Jesus is exhibited. Yeah, how do you feel about that on a Monday morning? Stop. <laughs> yeah, so the glory of the Father that is in Jesus is demonstrated and revealed in us. Yeah? Wow. That's a cool thing, isn't it? Does anybody feel like that's a bit of a responsibility? No? Yeah, I think I do. I feel like it's a bit of a responsibility. Okay, anything else in the past? Right there, Joan's got one. I tell you what, it's good for me walking up and down these stairs. We are sent into the world. All right, okay. Okay. So let me get... We reveal... God's glory. Yeah. And we are sent into the world. So Jesus is sent into the world. Yeah. He's sent into the world. And now he sent his disciples into the world. They're not of the world, but they're in the world. They're protected as they go, and they demonstrate the glory of God. And maybe one of the ways in which the glory of God is demonstrated is through the characteristic of joy. Yeah? Is that, is that good? Because it's, it's not our joy, is it? It's, whose joy is it? His joy. So if it's his joy... I bet you when you met Jesus in the flesh, it was kind of awesome, wasn't it? And you'd get this sense that here's a person who really loves me and is really glad to meet me. There would be a joy in him. That joy is a joy that as a minimum, as a minimum, we can connect to the idea of revealing God's glory so, here we go. This is just the scriptures putting pressure. This is not me putting pressure on you. This is you putting pressure on you. We've been given a new life, which means that we're not of this world. But Jesus doesn't pray that we leave this world. He prays that we're protected in it. And in that protection, we can go with confidence with his message to reveal with joy that's going to reveal his glory to the world. Is everybody good with that? All right. One last thing. Is there somebody over here that's 
there's one last thing, okay. Uh, actually, there's probably three last things, isn't there? So, was there a hand just here on my way up? Oh, come on, Jazzy, you can do two if you want. I said they accepted them, like I just saw it on there, and I was like. You what? It said they accepted them, and I just saw it up there, and it stuck out to me. Okay, the acceptance thing. Yeah, that's good, I like that. What was it up here? Okay, well, let's just hear it then. Let's just, let's underline it. Yes, after being told all this and knowing this, it, it's all hinged upon the acceptance. If, if you know this and you don't accept it, then the uh, consequences okay. there. So, Jazzy, is that what you meant? Yeah? I'm, I'm old, so I don't always understand young people. Is anybody else like that? I'm going to get to you right, right here. Yeah, go. Obedience. Obedience. He was obedient to what God wanted him to do, and he did everything that he wanted him to do. Great. So, so Jesus then, as part of his, his mission, his mission was only fulfilled through his obedience. And maybe there's a connection here between acceptance and obedience. Do you reckon? Do you think there's a, there's a connection here? Come on, Tracy. So that they may be one as we are one. All right. All right. So that's the last thing. We're going to put acceptance up there, obedience up there, and unity. Is everybody good with that? So, acceptance is the same as, everybody good with three lines meaning the same as, obedience and in all this we are one yeah so let's just do a little summary then we're not of this world we're of another world but we're in this world and Jesus doesn't want us to leave it, not yet. He wants us to be protected in it so that we can continue his mission to the world that he received with acceptance and obedience and he wants us to receive with acceptance and obedience and in that we demonstrate the joy of Jesus which gives us a clue as to his glory and as we do this, we discover unity. Is there an amen in the house? Amen. All right. Okay, I need somebody else to just erase the board. Not Jennifer again. Okay, you're going to come. That's great. Come on. And uh, we'll do that. And then I'll read. Oh, yeah, hang on a minute. He's got to take the photo. From. If you could just send it to everyone, Jeff, afterwards. <laughs> no, what we'll do is we'll get Jeff to give that to Jason, and Jason can put it on the website. How about that? Is that all right, Jason? All right. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Verse 20. Isn't this fun? How much fun is this? Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. 
I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity and to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Wow. Okay, we'll scroll through the passage again. You know the routine now. Everybody's involved. Look at the passage, see what you see. Deep stuff, isn't it? But it's great stuff as well, isn't it? Isn't that great? I think Rebecca's got her hand up even before anybody asked. <laughs> Welcome to Apex. Join in. It's, it's a little high-minded, but I was just thinking that the whole thing, 20 through 26, was establishing a new DNA where um, he's basically saying that I, the whole I am in you, the acceptance and the glory is creating the new DNA into the next generations, creating that new family line and sort of wiping out the sin DNA. Yeah. Okay, did everybody get that? So it's really, really cool because what, uh, what Rebecca's saying there is absolutely accurate. If you, look at, uh, if you look at the scholars of John, there's a man called Cornelius Benema who is probably the most um, illustrious of the, of the contemporary Johannine scholars. That's the scholars of John's gospel and John's literature, the other letters in the Bible uh, that are written by John. He says that the overriding principle of the Johannine literature is that we are now included in the divine family. in the divine family. And, I mean, you just said accurately, it's a new DNA. 
There's a DNA that connects us to the old world and the old ways and the old works. There's a new DNA, spiritual DNA, that means that we are deeply connected. We have our Father's eyes. Isn't that cool? I love that. Bradley, what you got for us, brother? It uh, goes along with what you guys were just saying, but more so the transference of authority. You see the lineage before God giving it to Jesus, Jesus giving it to us, and then his believers, he's praying for those that will believe in the prayers and the messages from the believers also. Awesome. Okay, so let me just put this up there. New, I like, I like Rebecca's way of doing it. New DNA, part of the divine family. Authority. Is it all right to use flow, Brad? Flows from father to son to us to the new ones yeah how good is that okay (laughs) here we go So in this cycle of giving, I've just been taking notes of what has God given Jesus and then what has Jesus given us. So included in our DNA is glory, the word, love, unity, protection, presence, knowledge, eternal life, intimacy, and authority. All right, come on now. Round of applause there, please. All right, let's just do it. So it's glory. Okay, when, we, when, when you say glory, I'll write glory, but everybody has to say glory. Yeah? It's, it's called reinforcement. So glory. Glory. Love. Unity, protection, presence, not Christmas presents, knowledge, eternal life. Yeah. Intimacy and authority. Say it. Sanctification. Hang on. <laughs> yes. Truth and joy. Hooray! All right. 
Okay. So it took them in the genome project a long time to work out human DNA, yeah? We've just worked out the spiritual DNA of John 17 in one session. Come on. And there may be a few more other things to add to it as we go along. Okay, we're nearly at the point where we need to stop, but right there, brother, yeah. Anybody with hair as long and as cool as yours is allowed to speak here. Ethan, nice to meet you. Good to meet you, brother. Yeah, go for it. Um, I was just going to focus on the degrees of separation. Yeah, just get the mic close. So the world is put into scale. He's before the world and after all of those gifts that he gives to us. So there's a degree of separation, and you, we're talking about unity, and that's a pattern in Song of Solomon, the separation pattern. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, I put down my life to pick it back up again, so separation there. Mm -hmm. And so we're separated from him in this world so that we can pass through it in a good way, not in like a hiding way. So we are reunited, even though you, you have to be separated to be reunited. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So that's a deep philosophical thought there from Ethan, which is brilliant. Thank you, Ethan. And what I think is the gist of what he's saying is, once you are separated from the things from which you need to be separated, you find that the gap of separation is filled not by you, but by God. Yeah? Is that, is that pretty much the gist of what we're trying to say there, Ethan? I think that's it, isn't it? That, that God is wanting us to be different to the world, but he wants us in the, so separate from the world, that's what sanctification means, separate from the world, but the way in which we connect with the world that we're supposed to still be in is that we know that we're protected and we take his message and carry his DNA and that's given to us. Yeah? I love that, Ethan. Okay. Is, are you just putting your hand up for glory or? Yeah, just for glory. All right. For glory, we receive that. Okay. So, God fills all necessary separation by the gift of his presence that gives unity. Yeah, is that good? All right. All right, let's do a quick summary. Let's do a quick summary because, man, we've just mined out so much stuff, haven't we? Let's just go through it in our, in our minds. What was, it, what was it in the first thing? There's a lot of stuff about glory. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about eternal life. There was a lot of stuff about knowing God. In the second section, there was a lot about the unity that exists between the Father and Jesus that now extends to us. There was a lot about us being protected in the world and not being taken out of it. In the final section, Jesus is praying for those who will come, that they will experience the same connection, the same DNA 
that the first disciples experienced. That there's no difference between us and the very first disciples in what it is that we receive and the life that we engage with, with God. Does anybody believe that? So, this is what I want you to do. I want you to spend one minute, just quietly, just allow the Holy Spirit just to emerge again in your heart and emphasize one thing to you. Was it something about acceptance and obedience? Was it something about unity or joy? Let's just spend one minute. Let the Holy Spirit bring something to your mind. to your mind I'm just going to put the hand mic down for a minute that, that one thing that comes to mind thank you Steve what is that I'll tell you what mine is in a minute but tell your neighbour and if you don't know them say hi tell your neighbour the one thing that's come to your mind go ahead extroverts and introverts here so if the extroverts start speaking first then make sure you stop talking to let the other person talk you got something extra for his brother you're inspired by the cool love that love that my thing is this my thing is this I can't think of a place in the Bible where Jesus prays for something and doesn't get it. Can anybody think of anything? I can't think of a single instance in the Bible where Jesus prayed for something and he didn't get it. So here's my thing. I think that what I need to do is to step into the prayer that's been answered and assume it's the new reality. It's one thing for me to say, wow, that's really cool, Jesus. Thanks for praying for me. It's another thing to say, wow, Jesus always got answered. It was always answered in the affirmative. I can't think of a single occasion when Jesus didn't get answered by God for the things that he was praying for. 
That means these things already exist. They've already been answered by God the Father. And so, if I want to know God more intimately, I need to step into it. It's something that's available to me. If I want to be more joyful, I need to step into it and receive His joy. If I don't like people around me and wish I could be more connected and more united with them, let's step into it. Because Jesus prayed for it. If we're struggling with our life where we're saying, I don't know, maybe I need to be more sanctified. Well, usually what that means is that we start putting effort into it. This is what I think. It's offered as a gift and you step into it. And probably the biggest effort is to keep on stepping into it. And if I want to know the protection of Jesus, as I step out with diffidence, perhaps timidity, to share the goodness of God with my neighbor, I need to step into the knowledge that he's gonna protect me. And that in the same way that Jesus was sent by the Father, Jesus has sent me to do the same work with all of the authority that I need. Everybody good with all of this? All right, come on. All right. Okay, we're gonna finish off now and uh, we're gonna get out of here. But um, we're gonna do the same thing next week. Yay, yay. Uh, we're gonna do the same thing next week and we're gonna kind of dig into the passage again and see what we get. Is that good? All right, we're gonna do one song. If you need prayer today, prayer for healing, prayer for comfort, prayer for some condition, struggle, challenge, any issue in your life, then come on. The prayer team are ready to pray. They'll recruit other members of the congregation because it's not about people having hot hands and being able to pray for you. It's that certain people are able to go and recruit other people to pray with you in your time of need.